You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Director Hans Canosa was born to parents whose fundamentalist Christian religion forbade art, including theater and film. At the age of 10, during a tour of missionary duty in Singapore, he snuck away to see his first play. Hans' parents disowned him when he attended the dangerous and secular Harvard College, where he directed dozens of short films. The Harvard Crimson called him a stunning visual stylist and dramatic genius. Conversations with other women is Canosa's first feature film. Hans Canosa, welcome to film school. Hi, thank you. H- how are you doing today? Good. Now, Good. now, you made a quick trip to New York? Uh, no, actually, I, I live in New York. Oh, we had a uh, a three one zero. Maybe it was at your cell or something. It was. Yeah, very very good. It's also confusing these days. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I you know I uh, I am a New Yorker, but uh, the and this movie is set in New York. Uh-huh. But um, I had to uh, like many people uh, go to L.A. to shoot it. It was shot there. Did you? Uh, is this film in any way uh, autobiographical? I know someone else was responsible for the initial uh, screenplay, but did you bring some of yourself? into it? Well, I, I mean, I, I did in that uh, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons why I, I worked with my screenwriting partner um, of 10 years, uh, Gabrielle Zevin, she uh, wrote the screenplay, but, you know, I related very much to the story because I, I think one of the reasons to make the film was that everyone in the world, unless you were fortunate or, I don't know, unfortunate enough to fall in love with someone when you were 10 and stay uh-huh. with them your whole life, you're inevitably going to either have this kind of situation happen to you or imagine it, which is just, you know, what would you do if you had a second chance with someone you once loved? So I certainly have had that experience. (laughs) So this is what would have happened if you'd have had the second chance, you think? Uh, or it, or more like what did. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Well, very good. Well, now, Helena Bottom Carter and Adam Eckhart, they're both in it, and they both said they were anxious about playing the characters that were so close to themselves. Uh, yeah. Is, is, in what ways? Did they ever mention this at all? Did they just have an well, affinity? I mean, we, we certainly talked about it. I, I think that one of the you know, great accomplishments of the screenplay uh, by my screenwriter was that uh, these characters are written to be, uh, to be any person. In a way, and the the I, I've certainly found now that the film has been made that the film is kind of uh, it's taken very personally by people who see it. Um, yeah. People, and this is again, it's a wonderful thing for me and a great compliment to me when I get an audience member that relates to it so much. And I have had so many people relate to it, but you know, before it was ever a film, it exists as just these words on a page. And you know, at that stage, it was even something that you know, evoked a lot of personal discussion from actors. I'm not a director who, you know, wants to hand over a 10-page treatise on someone's character. I very much want to create these things with the actors. But when, you know, Aaron and Helena both came to me and said they were going to play themselves, basically, and not kind of, uh, not, not layer the characters with lots of kind of actors' tricks or actors' things like, you know, an accent or any other thing, you know, it is a great privilege to have an actor speaking in their own voice. 
mm-hmm. and especially in a in a movie with so much dialogue, I really needed them to be themselves. So it was a great thing. Well, that that does keep. That's very much in keeping when I, when I was watching the film, the the performances felt very stripped <clears throat> stripped down. They they felt very uncluttered, and uh, there is a there's a fair amount of of dancing around one another at the beginning of the film. They're, they're, they they spend a lot of time being. Um, you're not quite certain at, at right at the top of the film whether Evasive. or not they, they know each other. And yeah. then it becomes, uh, well, I don't want to give too much away, but <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it, that was an interesting take and in how, they, how they talked about themselves in almost a third person. And, well, and I can say, you know, I think even without uh, spoilers, uh, you know, the, the, one of the points of the entire film is that uh, memory uh, and for that matter, perception itself in the present tense uh, yeah. is very, um, it, it's completely ambiguous. I mean, it's interpretable. Like two people can have different versions of the same experience at the same time. And certainly, yeah. as soon as you've left a moment, you can remember it in infinite number of different ways. Yeah. And so, you know, I can tell you that one of the interpretations, um, you know, one of the inter- interpretations of this whole encounter can be two people who never met each other and are playing an elaborate game of seduction. Right. Um, and right. one of the other interpretations is that these are two people who are married and play this game to keep it fresh. Is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And now, is there any significance uh, to being the seventh bride, bridesmaid? Is there some, is there something about that reference that I should know, or is it just happened to be part of the... Uh, I, I don't think that there's a numerical or numerological significance. I didn't even mean uh, that. I just meant if there's some kind of folklore regarding uh, some some something like seven that. brides for seven <laughs> brides. Yeah, I that don't was, know. That, that, was, <laughs> that was the cinematic <laughs> reference that popped into my head. Uh, not not one that uh, no, comes from me. No, yeah. I'm just kind of curious because the, she, there's a, you know there's a fair amount of referring to herself as the well, seventh Well, that's, that's enough on that. Question, yeah, all right. Mike. I'm just curious. I just wonder. I was, I was <laughs> delving for something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> did, when did the split screen idea come up? Oh, was this good. something from the beginning, or was this uh, absolutely developed? that that was something that. Um, uh, you know, I I had um, always see? wanted to make a split screen film uh, because you know I not to get uh, too long winded about it, but I you know wasn't allowed to watch movies when I was growing up, and the first time I saw a movie um, was the day that I came up with this idea for a split screen. film. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I was seventeen, and I was in a movie theater, uh, and you know. Being 17, you're kind of bringing a whole life of experience to the first experience of watching a movie. It's kind of an overwhelming sensory experience to, you know, I mean, to me, since I came from this fundamentalist religious background, my parents didn't let me watch movies. The only equivalent I had was church, you know, with a bunch of people sitting there looking to the front for enlightenment. It's the same thing, only... uh, to me, better in the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that, that night I had a dream that I was back in the movie theater, and whenever characters were cut away from on the screen, uh, I could feel that they were dying, that they were all trying to get back on the screen. They could only uh, live when they were up there. Uh, um, and in that same dream, I invented another screen at the back of the theater. And so there were two screens, one wow. in the front, one in the back, and characters, you know, because the core of any movie, really, the core of any scene, for that matter, comes down to just cutting shot and reverse shot between two faces. Like, right. you can have two hobbits, you know, taking a ring up a mountain of fire, and at the end of the day, the emotions still happen in two close-ups. Right. Um, right. So I always wanted to, after that point, I always just wanted to tell a story on two screens for two characters. And, uh, you know, eventually, I when I 
approached my screenwriter with the idea of a split-screen film, you know, she knew that I had this uh, thing that I wanted to do, and she said, well, it would be great to put a story with it. So uh, <laughs> that's how this evolved. Oh, that's, that's remarkable. It's, it's a, uh, a, a two screens to keep both characters alive? Is that yeah, the way Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I always, I mean, I think film is a really young medium. And unfortunately, because of the you know financial constraints of making it, it's difficult to kind of do very experimental things for an audience beyond uh, you know film school. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, obviously, if you make something at the right number uh, and with the right level of star, you can make it for a few more people than just a film school. Yeah. Uh, and that was my that was my hope for this movie. Yeah, I I, I saw Time Code. A few years ago, ah, yeah, and I and I like the way that they were able. I, I mean, it, it was kind of an Altman ish film. With we're talking the, about four screens, four screens, yeah, they, yeah. They but these four around. stories are not. They weren't. They only intersected occasionally. But uh, it, it, I, I, what I really liked, well, there were a few times in the film where you see both. They appear to be in the same frame, and then yeah. some, one of them will sl- move slightly, and then suddenly you see it's a se- it's it's uh-huh. actually still the split screen and. Uh, I just it was very it's, it was a, a terrific effect and, yep. and I really thought it enhanced the story. Um, well, they were moving close together, I yeah. believe, at some points, yeah. and, I, and I think you reflected that in the way the screens were working. Yeah, right? exactly. That, I mean, to me, that yeah. was the fundamental difference with something like Time Code. There were two. One is obviously, like you said, that's an Altman-esque film where yeah. there are many stories weaving. The other is that he had continuous takes um, without a cut. Right. There was no cut on the four screens, and right. to me. You know, the cut is the essential and unique yeah. uh, element of cinema. That's yeah. the thing that no other art has. You know, you can't cut in a painting, can't cut in theater. This is the thing that cinema has, nothing else has. Yeah. And what's great about that in a split-screen film is that when you cut, uh, the cut has double the meaning because you're not just juxtaposing images on two sides of one frame, but that cut also inflects the image on the other side. Yeah. So. Yeah. To me, you know, the the two frames was a perfect metaphor for two people who are apart and trying to come together. Right. Oh, really. And then to then go back and forth in in their lives with Absolutely. with the cuts was. Uh, a, and you, you did the editing yourself too. I think initially you wanted to bring on an editor, but then. Well, you know, it, it was my first feature film, so producers. I mean, producers would hate the idea of any director cutting their film, much less a first-timer. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we had an editor, uh, and he um, he dropped out. Uh, you know, he, after assembling the film, he said, you know, I know this doesn't look anything like your storyboards, and I don't think, it, it doesn't work like normal editing. And I don't think that I can do it. I don't think any editor do, can do it. I think you should do it. Um, and I also know he had a paying job to go to. So, you know, <laughs> on our budget, there's no way I could say, yeah. say in good faith, you know, don't don't go get a paycheck. But, um, you know, so for three weeks, we interviewed other editors, um, and nothing was happening. You know, we had a editing room yeah. uh, rented, and no one was using it. And I just, you know, I said to my visual effects supervisor, this is silly. Can you teach me Final Cut? And uh, three hours later, I was cutting. Uh, two days later, I had a scene cut, and I showed it to the producer with the checkbook. And uh, he said, well, that's pretty good. Why don't you keep doing that while we interview other people? So yeah. three, three months later, we had never hired anybody else, but the film was done, and, you know, I was the editor. So That's terrific. <laughs> and let, and uh, let's, uh, by the way, 
speaking with Hans Canosa, and the film is uh, the conversations with other women. And um, it's playing in Los Angeles. Where else is it playing right now? Right uh, now. I have New the, York. Oh, there uh, we go. Okay. And uh, San Francisco and uh, Seattle. Uh, but it's kind of moving around the country through mm-hmm. the fall. So well, we'll um, announce the locations uh, in the Southern California area uh, at the end of the interview. Yeah. So we didn't need to worry quite about that. No. I was just wondering on the, uh, on the visual effects. I read that there were over 100 visual effects in the movie, and, and yet I wasn't... I wasn't looking for any. I didn't see any at all. They were they were seamless, and that was that's yeah. amazing. It's a beautiful film. Well, thank you. That that would make my visual effects supervisor very happy. Yeah. His name, <laughs> by the way, he's Quasi Collison. He's someone I've worked with for about five years, and um, you know we we had prepared this movie a lot. Uh, whenever you work on this kind of budget, and it was less than half a million dollars, uh, so it was very tiny. Uh, you have to prepare in order to be able to pull it off, and. Um, you know, even with our amount of preparation, you still run up against a lot of things that require visual effects. I mean, it's just, it's the tools we use in today's world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we don't have any dinosaurs or explosions in our movie, obviously, okay. so it's not, not effects you'd ever see. But, you know, that, that you didn't see them means that we did our job. Because... I'll tell you, you really did, because I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't, I'm, I'm, you know, Nathan, I just read it. I yeah. had no idea. I would not have seen any ball, effects. The ballroom and... screen was a, the ballroom scene was a green screen that, that was pretty intense as far as the effects go, but yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't even there. I was really, well, and I think that, that uh, says a lot about your yeah. storytelling yeah. too, yeah. because the focus was on the characters, not, not to take anything away from the visual effects, but, mm. but it was about the people. Yeah, it is. But you know, when I, I, I was, I had a certain amount of, uh, kind of despair when I was on set because, uh, you know, we were there with Aaron and Helena, we had this enormous ballroom and, uh, you know, Pretty much, uh, I don't know if his name's on the film, so I might be insulting someone, but I won't say his name here, but the extras casting person completely screwed us. Um, The people that showed up were, we we asked for 50 extras, and I think we got about six. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, because extras casting, when it's like non-union and very small like we were, is inevitably uh, sketchy. And so you can't fill a ballroom with six people. I mean, 50 as it was, I was going to be moving them around uh, to Uh fill the ballroom. So we just had to change the way we were shooting it so that um, we, you know, with visual effects, we laid people in between the camera and our characters. Mm -hmm. So I went much more frontal with some of the coverage. Uh, And then later, you know, for some B-roll that I intended to shoot of of characters in the full ballroom, we actually created entire wide shots with um, people stacked in depth that were all shot against green screen and composited together. So oh, yes. none of those people were in the same room at the same time. Well, it was, uh, I, I, yeah. like, I, I didn't know, and, and <laughs> I think I'm really, really very good. What are you working on now? Well, uh, I'm working on a couple different projects, um, and uh, I, I, my screenwriter uh, is also a novelist, and yeah. um, I'm working on turning a couple of her books into movies with her. Um, because she is also my screenwriter, yeah. so uh, she's the best person to adapt them. So I'm I'm doing a romantic comedy uh, called Margaret Town, uh, mm-hmm. based on one of her novels that was published um, in the same year we shot the film, and uh, also working on Elsewhere, which is another of her novels. So she's is, a is, she's a great writer. Did I uh, did I uh, read that that was uh, dealing with vampires, or am I just uh, that's that? a that's a third project based ah. on an original script, um, and that's a vampire love story that we're working on. <laughs> Very well. good. And and what's the screenwriter's name again? The novelist's name? Uh, Gabrielle Zevin. Very good. Have to remember well, terrific. that. Terrific. Uh, well, um, as it 
Well, I just a terrific film, and uh, the acting is terrific. Uh, they're they're both very very good in this. And um, editing's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and by the, the way, the editing was terrific. Yeah. Uh, and the split screen, I really, I hope that, uh, are you going to continue? Do you expect that in, you'll be using this technique in some of your other films, or is this something of a one-off? Well, I, I mean, I think, I, I certainly won't use it next time because I don't want to become split screen guy. Um, <laughs> but I do, uh, I do really feel like, you know, this was just kind of dipping my toe in what the technique could do. And I, because... I really wanted to tell a kind of emotional story about these characters. I tossed out hundreds of ideas um, that could be used in a split screen, but were too flashy or just wrong for this right, one. Right. Uh, I w- you know, I'd love to do an action film using split screens uh, because there's so many things like, you know, Born Supremacy um, yeah, was yeah. something that dealt so much with kind of his backstory and flashbacks. If you could imagine what you could do if you showed those simultaneously to present action, there are just a lot of tools, storytelling tools, that this opened up that I'm definitely going to take advantage of sometime in the future. Well, Hans Canosa, thank you so much. Continue success, and I certainly uh, uh, hope that the film gets the attention and the audience that it, it really do, does deserve. So uh, good luck to you. Thank you very much. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.